Welcome to Cheers to Leaving. My name is Christina Carlson and I am a religious renegade coach. I specialize in helping women and non-binary folks discover their purpose, confidence, and values outside of religion through one-on-one coaching. And my name is Rachel Feely. I'm a musician, a singer, and I am processing my history with religion while deconstructing. I feel a passion for individuals stuck in purity culture, and I hope to bring understanding and clarity to others like me who have left. Cheers to leaving. Yeah. Did you act when you were in high school? Yeah. You did theater, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just singing. Mm-hmm. Did you work on ums and ands? And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did, but... Yeah. Because I, when I did improv, which I didn't really like improv, it was not for me. I like having a script. I like yeah. knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Um... I think we did a whole exercise where you couldn't say the word um or something. That's so stressful. It is. It's It's like a security blanket that's being Mm -hmm. taken away from you. Yeah, because you don't even realize you say it until you're listening to your voice play back. And then you're like, why did... I'm not even consciously saying um. I actually have had a similar practice, but it was in Bible college. And it was with prayer. Oh, God. Because you know how people say, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, my God, Lord, just please, God, just please. Like, yes, just yes, over and over yes. repeatedly. Who started that? I don't know. But me and my boyfriend in college made, like, a conscious effort to pray without it. And it was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like when they make memes of, like, you talking like that to just a normal person. You sound mm-hmm. ridiculous. Rachel, I'm just so glad you're here, Rachel. Rachel. To, to record this podcast, Rachel. It's just going to be so great, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It sounds it's really... It's so strange. <laughs> How do we say God? To, like, every sentence. It's, like, literally the opposite of, like... No, you're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, well... You just vainly used it a thousand times. (laughs) I don't think that's what they... Like, that's not what I was taught in the Lord's name in vain. No, I know, but... It should be what it is. Or... fuck, right? Yeah. You can't say fuck, because that's the Lord's name. Or God damn it. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) God damned it. Did he, though? (laughs) No. No, probably not. I really... What I think taking the Lord's name in vain is, is, like praying to him and acting like he's a magical god that's gonna like give you what you need or like praying in a way of like for something stupid that's like super selfish you want like sweatpants yeah i had a woman in church tell me once like how incredible god was because he knew that she needed these louis some some fancy brand sweatpants and a matching set and then she like someone gave them to her or something like this. And I thought she talked about that story to everyone. Yes. <laughs> God is like, God, take them. <laughs> it's like a passive way of asking someone yeah. for something. God told me he was going to give me this. I'm just you waiting. have a pair of those, don't you? <laughs> like, dang just, it, Susie, <laughs> here you go. Fine, take them. Take them. I didn't want them anyway. That's just a, to shut you I up. think that's what happened. Yeah, probably. But she spun the story. Yeah, it seems. Oh, for sure. Very personal. I think that's what everyone does. I went through like a whole season. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's a whole podcast episode. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) I went through like a whole season in Bible college where I remember thinking, God cares about the littlest things about me. You know, because we're taught that over and over. 
I mean, Bible college is like a spiritual journey, and you're just like learning. And this was like something that really like stuck out to me. God cares about every hair on your head, and so I was oh, like, Oh, I well, heard that one so much. Well, he is. He must care about everything. Then. Like he cares about sugar in my coffee in the morning, right? Like he care. He, he cares about masturbation. He must care about my coffee habits. Yes. Like there's got to be you know, like, <laughs> consistency in this mm-hmm. level of care. And it was. I just remember being like, oh, he like cares about everything. And then realizing, I don't know where it was. I think, I think we were on like a, you know, an evangelizing trip to downtown San Diego. (laughs) And we were, we were quote unquote evangelizing to people who were homeless, which, oh yeah. Oh my God. I regret that. Major Uh, eye roll. Um, but I also remember being down there and thinking, like, this doesn't make any sense. If God cares about this woman's sweatpants and my coffee, yeah, why does not what care? is happening with these people? Like, what is what is going on? Because some of them were, like, more spiritual than I was and yeah. really deeply believed in God and he was doing nothing for them. It was just a really big eye-opener that I refused to fully see at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting, like, it's a truth that just didn't compute, you know? Yeah. It didn't have any, like end goal for it like yeah when you play out the belief it didn't work <laughs> yeah exactly it was just something people told themselves but yeah that was that was definitely a very vain thing to ask god for <laughs> like it's a very vain thing to call upon god for is your yeah, fucking when, sweatpants yeah and the thing is like wanting nice sweatpants is not a problem buying no. nice sweatpants is not a problem no you buy the the richest ass sweatpants you can find and I'm happy for you. Girl, whatever makes you happy. Yes. Do it. Live <laughs> it up. But you put God in the mix and say that God cares mm-hmm. and God is and gave them favoring to you. you. Favor. <gasps> That's a whole other conversation. Yes, it is. About God's favor. Did you pray for God's favor before interviews? Because that was like a big thing for me. No. Like, God grant me favor with these people. Grant me grant favor. Grant me favor. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I do remember the word favor. That was like a being big put around very often. It was favor was like just something people always wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. If you were in God's favor, it was that like, I might find favor and whatever. Yeah. What what is that from? That I might find favor with. It's in some weird so made like up prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was always like. It was a form of being in, like, God's good graces, which I thought was interesting because you're supposed to be, like, saved and then you're good, but you could be in God's favor or you could be out of God's favor. Mm-hmm. And that was a terrifying thought. Oh, yeah. Because that, it's, it was almost like you were fair game to the devil. Exactly. So, But I think you were just even more paranoid then. And then every time something bad happened, you were like, am I out of his favor? Mm-hmm. I need to pray more. I need to pray six times a day now. How often did you pray when you were not six times a day? <laughs> it really just depended on like where I was at in life and how much I cared about God at that point. You know? yeah. But I don't know. I mean, there's definitely like rewards to trying to be a more spiritual person, but I don't think it's like that you saw or what do you mean? Like that I felt like the more you were, it felt like you had a quest. It felt like you were going somewhere with something that you were accomplishing something or that you know 
you were just getting closer with people spiritually. Like, it was that community oh. and that connection. So it felt good, like, at the time. But then you just got fucking exhausted. And you were like, I literally can't keep this up. So it was like a and burnout, almost. Yeah. Like a spiritual burnout. Mm-hmm. That's why I stopped. I noticed that, too. I stopped going to, like, conferences. What are conferences? Like, com- you know, like, uh, one thing that they do every year? Oh, shit. Yes. Things okay. like, like that. Like, dare to share. Yeah, like that kind of yeah. Okay. I, I call it a conference. I don't know if it is. Or it just whatever, sounded like but... a it sounded like maybe a Mormon thing. No, is that a conference? Is that a Mormon thing? I don't know. We have to ask our listeners. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. One thing. Yeah, like one here. thing with um, what I hopped did that right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I went to that once, and then I had like friends who went every like year, and it's like right over New Year's Eve too. So you're kind of like. I think it's to, like, keep people from, like, going out and partying or something. But I was like, no, I'd rather party. Thank you. So. How old were you? I don't know. But I definitely didn't go out and party. It was just, like, I'd rather do something else in New Year's Anything. Eve than worship all night and listen to, like, Mike Bickle talk in his stupid oh, face. Mike Bickle. Yeah. What do we know about Mike Bickle? Um, was he, he's a part of IHOP, right? Yeah, he's Is the he one. Is he the guy who killed somebody? Or had somebody killed? I didn't hear about that. The Rolling Stones article. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what I, I know. Well, this was like 2012. There was someone who, there's a, this is a whole article. I, uh, friends, I will list this in the show notes. Yes. List it. It's so, too. it's so good. It's powerful and terrifying. I did some research on Mike Bickle when I first started deconstructing like IHOP and other things. And I did go down like a weird rabbit hole, but I never found that information. Maybe it's not Bickle. It might not be not him. Mike Bickle that I'm thinking of. Maybe it's not Bickle. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw got him. very personal there. <laughs> not Bickle. We not the man Bickle. Oh, man Bickle. Oh my god. No, what I, I hate someone else. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll let you know in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, what I know about him is that he basically made like a version, like his own version of like the Bible that he said that God told him when oh, he was shit. like like being a missionary somewhere. And so he writes it down, but he has like people that are involved like learn it. Kind of like he's he just thinks he's like a straight up vessel for the Lord, you know what I mean? So, so like like a le- legit cult leader. Yeah, he's just being a cult leader. I hop and like this is what I decided a couple years ago that I hop is a cult because oh, they're very is. apocalyptic too. I know people yes. were told like that, we're in college because they target a lot of college, you know, people. Yeah. And um, I know they told a lot of them to like, not like pursue college or like a career or whatever because like the Lord was going to come back soon and like how long has it been? But I know, I know people who got their power and light shut off for not for mm-hmm. doing things that the church disagreed with because they were renting from property the church owned, so they would cut their power with IHOP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cult. Stay away. That's that's cult. <laughs> Stay away from that. That's like definition is controlling mm-hmm. the lives of people yeah. who are part of this. Well, and like indoctrinating them with your own agenda, which was like exactly what Mike Bickle was doing when he was like, "Oh, the Lord told me this, and I'm gonna hug you on it," and all this stuff. It's like, no, you told you that. That's that's so fascinating. Like that's yeah. that's such a um, such a savior complex that I find really really interesting, because that's. I think it's a form of narcissism. Oh, it is. Yeah, and is it sometimes like really? yes, um, and sometimes I think it's sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sociopathy. 
sociopathy. <laughs> sociopathy. I don't know. Help sociopathy me. was a real word, but it sounds like it should be. It's sociopathic behavior. Yeah, I think that's um, probably where a person is is always thinks they're right. Yeah, and unable to, unable to empathize. So mm. one of the key traits of a sociopath is being unable to empathize or understand another person's perspective mm -hmm. and that is the case for sociopaths and it makes it easy for people in these positions to just take over and do shit and control people without feeling any empathy for what's actually going on they fully believe in what they're doing and in the mm -hmm. mission and they're hearing from god or whatever but they're harming people without the concern that another person in that position would have mm -hmm. they're not like held by that It is interesting. The human brain is interesting. I wish we knew more about it. I'm glad we know as much as we do. Yeah, but in like a hundred years, we're gonna be like, we're gonna be able to build a brain in a hundred years. <laughs> yes, or sooner. Or sooner. Or maybe it's already <laughs> out there. <laughs> maybe we're uh, robots. Maybe it's not real. <laughs> maybe none of this is real. Maybe. <laughs> oh my god. So let me just tell you in reference to that, and then we can move the fuck on. But. Um, I was talking a little bit about Christianity over dinner tonight with my husband, Jonathan, because he started trying to freaking interview me. I don't know. He was just like in the mood and started asking me these questions. Right. Like, like, just, I don't know. We were talking about the podcast. Okay. And he was like, what are you guys recording tonight? And like oh, all this stuff. But then he like went off and like started like asking me questions. Cause I was like, maybe Christina and I should have like our husbands on the podcast or something, oh. which might be fun eventually. But he yeah. was like, oh, I didn't. And then. He's like, I don't really have a lot to say as far as, like, bad experiences because he really was raised with a lot of progressive Christians, so he didn't well, have, like... he's a like, white man. And he's a white man. It caters the whole system. I know. System I was like, of course you had a lovely time. <laughs> but he also said that they didn't, like... It, it was definitely different from the way I was raised, but mm -hmm. anyway, that's what started the conversation. Yeah. And um, I was like, it's just so funny to me that... You know, there's a million, like, religions in the world, and I don't know the exact number. There's probably not a million, but there's a lot show, of religions. I'll show you the religion tree. Can, maybe do you I'll, have that? Yeah, I'll find that. Yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> if I can find it, it's the most beautiful, cool thing ever. It shows where religions came from, like the origin of religion, and all of the branches mm -hmm. off to all the religions we have now. That's awesome. It's fucking cool. I want to see it. Okay, sorry. So anyway... We like to talk about, like, different theories about the world and simulation, and we just watched yeah. The Conjuring 3 last night. And <laughs> just, I just tried to get me to watch that, and I'm like, eh. We watched it. I got, so I'm also, like, a paranormal and true crime podcast listener, and oh, I so I heard the actual stories of, like, The Conjuring mm -hmm. and The Warrens and stuff, so I got more interested because I never watched any of them. Yeah. And so last week I wanted to watch the first one because I had, like, heard that story before and yeah. I was like interested to see like what they did and the second one I saw the live interview of it and so mm -hmm. anyway it's kind of cool if you like get into the history of it and see the live yeah. footage because then you're like okay now I want to like see the story so the conjuring three I didn't know anything about that but then I listened to a podcast on it the day we watched it this is going off a little bit on a tangent but Jonathan had nightmares last night and I asked him what he had nightmares about and he said it was like a weird demon thing okay. and so I woke him up and he was fine. He's fine now. And then I was like, what were you like, like, what were you dreaming about? And he told me, and then he was like, do you believe in that stuff? 
And so then we started talking about that. And I was like, what if it's just like energy and like, you know, he was like, but he's an engineer. So he was like, no, that's not how the law of thermodynamics works, Rachel. <laughs> so I was grasping at strings here. He, and so he's like deep science. Yeah, he okay. is. And I like to go there with him. But um, anyway, this we will get back to Christianity here in just yeah, a second. I'm here but, for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so we also talk about the simulation theory. And so I was saying, isn't it like... Like, maybe it's just dimensions. Maybe we can't see every single thing. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy that people think you can only, like, what you see is all there is. And I was like, it's also funny that there's, like, all the religions in the world and the Christians think they found the one. Like, yeah. this is it. Yeah. Like, this is the beginning of Earth. This is the end of Earth. And Jonathan was like, this just proves we live in a simulation. He's like, there's a beginning and an end, just like a freaking video game, and there's only one path. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I was like, we should start telling Christians that. You're like, this, your religion proves that we are in a simulation. <laughs> there is one path to start the game and one path to end it. Just but start, like telling people, are you ready to end the game? Yeah. Just are you ready? In the streets. <laughs> are you ready to end the game? The simulation Christians? is ending. Are you ready? The simulation is almost over. But yeah, it's like, like the rest of life doesn't work that Wait, there's like so many different paths to the mm -hmm. same thing. So I'm like, why would a god of the entire universe like create a such shut and close world? It's like, especially if the universe is infinite, everything like it should be infinite possibilities. So that's what that's what we've decided that Christianity means. Like if if that is really how the world works, yes. all of us are living in a simulation. <laughs> so now we know. <laughs> now we know. We, we told now you, we know. We told you we had the answers for everything. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> I find that so interesting because I I think like I think from what I understand about our minds, we create stories that help us make sense of life. Mm -hmm. We we, have we to. always have. We Otherwise, have we wouldn't understand anything. Exactly. That's how we start. We make mm -hmm. stories. Uh, science science comes up with theories and tests them in a particular way and that's progressed our culture beyond what it ever our society humans beyond what we ever could have thought possible mm -hmm. by testing these methods however sometimes our brains hang on to stories that no longer make sense because they feel comfortable to us yes. that's the ego holding mm -hmm. on to things that make sense at all costs because it's consistent because it's the same so this gets passed on because it it makes sense to some people because it's familiar Mm -hmm. Or because they feel like they need it, or because they do need it to maintain whatever in their life to make sense of their life, mm -hmm. and that's true for a lot of beliefs. They they help people function and cope. And the reason we left is because they started to do more harm for us and the people around us than good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's just progress in an individual level is seeing. This isn't working for me anymore. And in fact, it's causing harm to a lot of people. And I don't see this working. So is there another way around it? And then we see that there is. And then we change. Mm -hmm. And that, that process can be exhausting because we are fighting against the ego, which wants things to stay the same, mm -hmm. wants those stories to be consistent. But breaking out of that is actually like the most liberating thing because we end up we end up in a place that is much more peaceful and aligned with who we are now as a person, not just what made sense for our parents or their parents. It's, it's something that actually fits a story 
and a life that actually fits us. And so it doesn't feel uncomfortable because those old beliefs start to feel like old clothing. It's like clothing that's not ours, mm -hmm. that we just inherited. And being able to put on and take off beliefs like that is, I think, a huge step towards changing our minds. Because mm -hmm. actually, if we, wanted, if we wanted to get into that... Um, we can. It's, that, it's interesting you mentioned the ego. I do have something to say on that, but I want you to finish your thought. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to talk about this, um, this, this step that we have to take in, the thing is like the way that we were raised in, in fundamentalism is that these are the beliefs and these are the thoughts. It's, it's, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, this is who you are more importantly. Mm -hmm. And that, that enmeshes things in a way that doesn't give us any kind of power or autonomy. And I think one of the first steps to like actually changing in this area is becoming aware of your thoughts, becoming aware of your beliefs and realizing that is not you. That's something you use or have or even try on. It's like when you're arrogant or full of what a, like full of shit at a party <laughs> or whatever. That's not who you are. That's something you try on. That's something yes. you are exhibiting at the moment. Mm -hmm. It is not your identity. And it's it's so interesting to be able to like take a step back that first that first step of like say for me it was like LGBTQ rights. So I was like in a I was in a church here in Kansas City and then I was working at a school and the school was in a church but it wasn't a part of the church. And so it was inclusive and kind. And I remember like having a family in there, um, a couple that I was working with, or they were parents to kids in my class. And I just remember like hearing something in church and then going to work. And it was like, it was like that first, that feeling of that doesn't make sense to me. And it was like me being able to say that doesn't make sense to me was the step back from from taking the belief as an identity to the belief as a thing that I have that I could then potentially change. And I think that's that's so huge. I feel like that is probably the first step for a lot of people is this one step towards like reclaiming some form of sovereignty over your own life. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear what you have to say on ego. <laughs> um, no, I just think that's funny that we Let's talk about ego. Um, there's so many notes. Um, I found this article, and it was, like, really good. It's just, like, an eight-minute read, and I will also post that in the um, description. But it basically said, um, like, as you're deconstructing, your ego will just, like, look for another train to jump onto because it wants to hold on to the thing that makes them right, mm -hmm. that makes you, like... Um, you know, have the all the answers, your purpose, and all this stuff. But normally it says when you deconstruct, like, from religion, um, you basically will jump to the opposite spectrum and be anti-religion or, you know, anti-God or whatever. But they're, they're because you want to, like, maintain the status of being right. You want to maintain the status of yeah. all of that. Of um, knowing. Mm -hmm. Of certain. knowing. Yeah, exactly. And so... It, like, grabs a hold of anti-religion to, like, form a new mentality 
as a like solution because you're in desperate need for an identity again you're desperate need for security superiority um self-importance so um you just end up repeating the same dynamics over again so basically this article was saying you have to go deeper than that like you have to make sure you're just deconstructing all the way down to your ego in a sense because if you don't then you're just gonna like hop on the next train or you're gonna be vulnerable to other things it might not even be anti-religion it could be a weird ass cult that doesn't have to do with God, but it's a form of community or whatever. Um, so they basically were saying that the ego is always looking for something to like protect itself. And I feel like I have definitely done that in deconstruction where like I will jump to the opposite spectrum and be like, no, I'm the right person here. Like, you know, this again, is how like, it is now. <laughs> yeah, this is how it is. You guys are stupid and wrong. Like, <laughs> I've definitely taken that approach to people, but, like, after reading this article, I was like, damn, that is what I'm doing. Like, I'm just, like, my ego is, like, I still need to be right. I still need to, like, know shit. And so, um... What a a beautiful thing to be able to observe in yourself, though. mm Mm-hmm. Because the ego, ego's job is to keep you safe. Right. And to prevent you from feeling hard things. (laughs) Um, I don't want to feel hard things. It wants to avoid pain mm-hmm. at all costs and and that is there is a lot of pain to be felt in actually sitting with like what you were saying last week with or a couple weeks ago with like losing the idea of heaven yeah that's a loss and one that you had to actually feel mm-hmm. and that is that is a part of that like your ego could could have protected you from that in other ways and by right. wanting to hold on to that aspect which I also want to say there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, like, jumping to extreme atheism if that's what you need to do. Right. Um, that's but notice that it is still a process in your observe it. Yes. Yes. Just observe notice it. it. Notice it. And, and be aware of that, that aspect of yourself and, and question it. Mm-hmm. Not even, like, I need to be different or whatever. It's just... I think it is all part of that process of, of change that you go through all these stages because I definitely did that for a while with like different forms of, of belief. And for me, it was, it was kind of like an arrogance in the progression that I made. Like, right. Like I'm a Christian and so I'm evangelizing and I'm self-righteous and judgmental of other people. And then I became a progressive Christian and then I was judgmental of non-Christians and and then and then I just started I just started to like to realize that I couldn't function in my life with that level of judgment because I knew and loved people in every category mm-hmm. and it didn't make sense for me to to sit in judgment I had to do what I did within religion which was say I I didn't know that I was queer, but I was like, I love the LGBTQ community, so I have to, I have to open in love to include this. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that in my deconstruction as well. I have to open up and include all of these other people and their humanity yeah. in, in non-judgment in order for me to function in my life the way that feels aligned for me. Mm-hmm. And that's been quite a process. And one that's brought me to honoring and loving my own humanity and my own flaws in this process. It's allowed me to be, letting go of judgment for other people has allowed me to let go of judgment for myself in this mm. process. Yeah. That's a good one. 
Show title. Show title. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I feel that too because I definitely have become more empathetic. I feel like I already was, but I was just called sensitive and I didn't know what that meant. But it's used it's, as a derogatory term for yes, women. Yes, it is. And it, well, should just say everybody. <laughs> yeah, everybody, but sensitive. especially women, especially like if you have intuition or you're empathetic. And I don't know, I've, I've started, ex- it's, it made me hard a little bit when people would call me that and I would like kind of like rein that in, but I'm like, you know, I've, I've started to like appreciate that about myself more instead of like hate that about myself. Mm. And I've started extending that grace to like other people and my empathy to other people. And so like you were saying, like if we can do that for them, it starts making you realize that you should also be doing that for yourself because it's just hard to be a person. It really fucking is. It's really just hard. I think I I find it I find it interesting. There's there's this like there's these ideas in like self help where it's like people can only love you if you love yourself, or you can only love people if you love yourself. That is not I, true. I think neither is true. I think mm-hmm. both of them lead to the other. I think let love yeah. begets love, and a practice of self compassion will see you have more compassion for yourself and others. A practice of compassion for others tends to see you have compassion for others and yourself. Yeah. I think just the practice of compassion is going to lead, the practice of love is going to lead to both. Mm-hmm. Because eventually you'll be used to treating people that way. Someone's <laughs> ego honestly probably came up with that saying, you can't love others unless you love yourself. Yeah, because they wanted to be right. Uh-huh. They wanted <laughs> to be right. That's exactly And they wanted it. to jump on that train. Mm-hmm. They wanted to quote like, for Instagram. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's just another extremism, which is fine, but I don't know. I think the the main thing for me was to basically just, like, oh, basically, like, I feel like a huge part of finding that out about yourself and deconstructing is, like, continuing to question the ideas, beliefs, and mindsets, and, like, narratives, and Mm. stories and ideologies that you're telling yourself or that are influencing you. And, like, for me, that means, like, just keeping an open mind. Like, like never just closing my mind off to an idea because, like, I, I just feel like we're going to ever evolve and the world is, like, we're going to continue to find that the world doesn't work the way we think it is. We're going to continue to find that people are way more fluid than, like, we originally thought. Mm-hmm. And, like, it probably has to do with, like, our minds also evolving as well but like it the world isn't black and white and so I feel like and and like that doesn't mean that you don't have like core beliefs or values or like things that make up who you are and that you don't have like strong convictions about things but I just never want to be like no to something just because I don't know much about it or I don't know you know so like I feel like because I'm a, like was around people with such closed-mindedness as far as like how the world works and like God and all that, it's important for me to like keep myself grounded by continuing to leave my mind open to like other things and ideas that yeah. may come up. Absolutely, I feel like for me that's come in the form of curiosity, mm-hmm. like just being curious about my own mind. And when stuff comes up like that, having an open mind to just being curious about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're asking questions, you're way less likely to be judgmental. Right. It's like the 
the ability to be curious is is a skill that we weren't taught growing up. We were mm -hmm. like, I would say, I would say my parents were a little bit of an exception to this. My mom is very curious about science, and I was gonna say that actually sounds like a small like. I don't know, light in your area because like she was curious and I feel like especially yeah. about science means that mm -hmm. she was asking the right questions. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it came in that area, which is why I learned to be curious. Mm -hmm. um, there was just a hard brick wall around, around religion, mm -hmm. um, around the core tenets and that only got harder. Like the wall got thicker and harder right. as, as we got older. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was younger, I definitely do remember curiosity and learning that ob observance of things in nature from her. She wanted to slow down and learn and look at everything. And I think that's both genetic in me and gifted from just being around her, right. which is something that I'm really thankful for. Yeah. And you can also like take that passion and apply it not to just nature, to people. Yeah, and my life. other things, your yes. own self, like yeah. be curious about yourself and all that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about sovereignty. Okay. <laughs> because I find it like the word sovereign is weird, right? Yes, I don't, I feel triggered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I reclaimed it a little bit thanks to Madison Morgan because she talks about sovereignty a lot. And okay. there's a couple other coaches that talk about sovereignty that I've followed. Um, I just haven't heard it used much except yeah. in religious context. Right, exactly. Which which is interesting because in religion, God was sovereign. Mm -hmm. And literally we were we were servants. Peasants. Peasants. Wretches. Peasants. Yes. But we had we had no say. Right. We had right. no autonomy. No power, no authority, even over our or the power we did have would just lead us to sin. Right. Well, that's why we didn't have it because right. everything that we, because yeah, we I should say that we had plenty of power. Sinful. We had sovereignty and autonomy. Mm -hmm. We just were not allowed. We're, we were told not to access it. We were taught right. that it was bad. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, I know we had it all along because we've reclaimed it. <laughs> it's always been there. Um, but having that told to you as being a a bad thing growing mm -hmm. up you don't connect with it so I think it's really really interesting to like in talking about like changes from being in this environment to being out of it I think reclaiming your own sovereignty in your life can be a really powerful thing mm -hmm. because you are sovereign over your own life whether you know it or not you have the authority and power to do what you want with your life and that's always been in your hands. And it's, it's if we're in a simulation of Christianity, <laughs> the simulation has you believing that you don't have the power to end this game. You don't have the power to exit this game. But you do. There's a cheat code. Sorry. I'm getting real, I'm getting real into this analogy. There's a it. cheat code. And we found it. This is now um, a sci-fi podcast. No, <laughs> it went all in. Oh my god! Um, Let's talk about the Matrix. No, 
Which pill? Yes. Oh, man, that's a whole other topic. No, but that is a thing. That was a thing in 2020, like, with all, like, yes. the extreme QAnons. Take the red Wait, pill. Wait, no, really? Was it I was thinking that I was thinking how it was actually a metaphor for being transgender. Oh, no, that was a thing, of, like, like, with the alt-right group and all the, like, extreme oh God, conservatives. Like, take the red pill and you know what's really going on. You know, like. Have you seen the QAnon documentary? We've I've talked started, about this. Yes. I, st- okay, I did. I started watching it. I haven't finished it because I got obsessed with the country for a hot minute. But oh yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> but I did start watching it. Yeah. So far, it's very interesting. That's real weird. Anyway, sovereignty. <laughs> bring it back around. Um, my point is that um, I actually wrote. <laughs> I was I was typing this out because I was trying to figure out how this how this makes sense, but it's like it's like if you've been waiting tables your whole life in a castle and then you find out you're actually the queen. It takes oh. a fucking hot minute <laughs> yes. for you to adjust to being that, mm. to who you actually are. Because you're so used to being treated this way, to treating yourself this way, to thinking of yourself this way, you need time to adapt and adjust to the role that you actually deserve to be playing mm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I was thinking of this, like, what does this look like as, like, a really, like, an actual example? This looks like a person who gets married at 20, like, really young. And I'm thinking of a person socialized as a woman, because I relate most to that. Yeah. But um, that's, that's the gender Christianity. Right, yeah. And so you're, like, you get married, you don't know who you are, you know your job is, you know your identity is in Christ, and your job is to make your husband happy, to have kids, but, like, if you one day realize that this, like, a part of this isn't real, or you start to wake up to this. Or you don't want any of it. Or you don't want any of it, you're not happy, you start, you start to, like, realize who you are, and that can be such a shock. I think that this this happens for people in stages. It's like there's a part of you that knows you're the fucking queen. Mm-hmm. deep down in there but you have to start with like okay but like what food do I like you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. like the most simple things that are right for you that you haven't had the opportunity to really know mm-hmm. and I think I think we see we see this progress happen naturally because for the most part jumping out of it entirely would just be like a complete ego death that might destroy us right now you're queen. Yep. Take, your, take your position and rule. It's like, right now. But <laughs> what do I do? How? How? <laughs> yeah. I just think um, for me in in this, like, I mean, this wasn't my scenario because I wasn't um, married young. But, like, I did go through a similar process of, like, just realizing, having to realize, like, learn what I like and learn what matters to me and get in touch with my body and my the physical sensations that tell me what is yes and no and getting in touch with those things is like is all a part of this path back to what we actually had from birth which is the sovereignty in your life to know what is right for you mm-hmm. and to know what your path is yeah that's a lot of change to go through it's like, a lot of indoctrination to get out of your head yeah yes yeah <laughs> Because I think that goes along with the whole, like, sin scenario of, like, well, you, like, your ego is, like, the bad part, and what you want is the bad part, and so I think that's why we're all just 
fucking around after we deconstruct because we're like, what? Like, I get to choose, like, what I want to do with my life and who I want to be and I have all this power to do whatever the fuck I want and then you're scared to do shit because you, I don't know, I've, I've been scared to do shit because I'm like, this, like, thing like it's just and you don't trust it's yourself. wild yeah you don't mm-hmm. trust yourself you don't trust that you know what you want or your mind keeps flipping pages because your mind is also like panicking and mm-hmm. yeah it takes like time that's when Sephora comes in therapy and coaching have been incredible resources yeah for me. I've been in therapy for the past two years and I've worked with coaches and became a coach over the past year and all of those experiences, especially working through self-doubt and, like, not trusting my own desires and things have been have been really, really powerful shifters for me. To have mm-hmm. support, someone else who can see you objectively and know where you're coming from and really just even just say what you're saying to yourself. Sometimes just hearing something from someone else is really powerful. Yeah, it's like, it's validating. Like, mm-hmm. what you feel is valid, and that's kind of huge, too. Mm-hmm. It's just from someone else. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is all right. I'm not, like, lost in my brain somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You see me and hear me. <laughs> I've, had, I've had coaches say things like, so what I hear you saying is you are trapped in this way because of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as they're saying it, I'm realizing yeah, like, that I'm not actually trapped, but that is what I've been thinking. And it's like just hearing that belief that mm-hmm. I've had said out loud to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not true at all anymore. That's just yeah. what's left over from being in that situation. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know, talking to people. Talk to people. Talk to people yeah. you trust. Yeah, that's why I feel like podcasts too have been huge for me. Because like when you mm-hmm. listen to other people there and talk about it, yeah. They're just like validating things you're already feeling. They're like, hey, we went through the same shit. Or they talk about other things that maybe you didn't even realize was going on with you, which is also eye opening. And you're like, oh, that's why I feel this way. Or that's why I did that. Or, yes. yeah. Stories. I mean, validation stories, it's huge. It's good. I love, I love that we have access to, yes. <laughs> Sorry, me too. No, you're fine. <laughs> Stories are huge. I, I I think stories are a gateway and and access. Mm-hmm. They're access for us to other worlds. And that's what reading has been in the past, and I still think reading is that. But like the increase of our ability to hear people's stories with their own voice mm-hmm. has really changed us as a culture. Hearing someone's personal experience of something is different when it's coming from their own mouth. It's it's validating and it's it's comforting and it's terrifying and it's it's real and it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a fuck ton of it. <laughs> yeah. So you have to really, you know, decide what you're gonna be focusing on for a little bit. But I think that it's I think that it's so helpful. Yeah, it is helpful, and it's nice too. I think with podcasts is it's not a debate. It's not like, like normally it's just someone either listening to someone else's story or it's just you telling your story without any fucking interruptions and then you post that shit and you're like, you will fucking listen. (laughs) You know, instead of like trying to like talk to someone that wants to argue with you, it's just like Mm -hmm. you get to tell 
what you want in your own fucking words and you know people can choose to listen or not and like that's it doesn't make it invalid or not it's just it's your fucking story that's like a great boundary actually Mm -hmm. like to be able to say like here's my story you can mute it turn it off leave whenever you want yeah like that's such a great Mm -hmm. such a great boundary example (laughs) podcasts (laughs) the the greatest boundary example (laughs) of our time (laughs) i just like that people can do what they want and that that is sovereignty like i I know that we are trusting our listeners to be sovereign in themselves and listening to this. If something is triggering for them, to pause it, turn it off, mm-hmm. do what they need to do to be okay. Because that's what you do as a human. Mm-hmm. As a sovereign person, you take care of yourself however right. you need to. Right. And I don't, I don't think we can function in right relationship without that kind of trust. Mm. And that's the lack of trust that we grew up in. Yeah. Is that power dynamic of you will be kind and nice and sweet and listen to whatever I have to say because I'm an authority or because Uh I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Well, and then you go from like pursuing a relationship with God and trusting God to pursuing a relationship with yourself and Mm -hmm. trusting yourself. Mm -hmm. And that also I feel like can be terrifying because you go from like God being an all powerful, all knowing person, Perfect. space daddy that you can trust in. Hashtag space daddy. <laughs> Hashtag space favorite. daddy. <laughs> that you can like trust in and like pursue a relationship with and you don't have to like focus on yourself and you're not supposed to focus on yourself. And so I feel like it's such like a mind fuck when like he's no longer there. You no longer are your goal isn't to pursue a relationship with God. It's to pursue a relationship with yourself, which has been spoken to you that that is inherently selfish and and so, and evil and bad and like take Mm -hmm. care of yourself or listen to yourself or get to know yourself because Mm -hmm. that's when sin happens. And so I feel like when you're a Christian coming from like that entire like indoctrination through childhood, teenage years, early, you know, twenties to all of a sudden change that mindset, it's like your brain doesn't know how to flip the switch. It's like, Mm. I don't, like, I don't know how to do it. Like, even now it's hard. I'm like, how do I focus on myself? How do I listen to myself? Like, what am I, what are you trying to tell me, Rachel? Like, but it's just like, I, it's hard to know how to do that. And sometimes you do it without, like, realizing it, but it's hard to train your brain to, like, Mm. switch over to that mode instead of, I mean, I feel like oftentimes I just end up feeling like I'm floundering somewhere mm-hmm. when I try to, like, in, like get in tune with myself because it just feels really unnatural. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's it's such a... It's being weird. It's such a process to to do. Mm-hmm. Especially, I feel like the, the relationship that we developed with God, at least most evangelical, like, dynamic with God is one of um it's abusive for one thing but it's also tends to be codependent because your worth is coming from this other someone else um your identity is coming from this other which is dangerous no matter what it's to right like god is safe but it's like anytime someone does that with anything yeah it it can be it's bad it can be really damaging and i think i think it just it takes time and intentional practice and support to be able to get back in touch with yourself Mm -hmm. as a person and hear what you have to say. Most of my clients I work on with very similar things because it's, it's, it is hard. 
and it's not like you said. I think the word you use unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. It it's just like it is unfamiliar. It's not. It's like nothing that we were raised in. So getting getting to that space and and particularly being okay with the imperfection because in this the weird dynamic is like we were responsible for everything. We fault. Everything mm-hmm. was our fault. But we actually took responsibility for nothing because everything was was God's in in God's control. We actually like could God's excuse control most or things. like the devil was tempting. <laughs> Like, yeah, things like that. So it's like actually getting to know yourself is is scary, I think. At least it was for me because it means taking responsibility yeah. for your own thoughts, your own time, your own feelings, your own desires. Mm-hmm. And owning those things and accepting your yourself as you are. Not as an idealized version of who God sees you as or whatever. It's It's really genuinely your human self that you grow to love and accept mm-hmm. even when you don't like it. Yeah. And then you can truly love yourself. Mm-hmm. But that is that is a journey and that is a process that I want for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and one that I'm on and I just think it's it is it is so critical and it it can be a lot of work and very tiring. Yes. Yes. Which is my self-care. <laughs> <laughs> self-care. Self-care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, self-care can feel also very selfish, yeah. but it's not. It's good. I think self-care is, has an interesting reputation mm-hmm. because it, I, like, for a while I was looking at self-care as, like, the, the bubble baths and, like, the stuff yeah. on Instagram that's, like, Face mask, the glass of wine. And glass like, of wine, yes. And I, like... I forget who it was that I was learning this from, but I was learning about, like, inner child and inner parent work and thinking about, like, how how when you care for a child, you're caring for them. And, like, when you're self-caring, you're actually just taking on the parent role for yourself. So that mm-hmm. means, like, you need to, you want your, your child to eat good food. You still want them to have a cookie every once in a while. You still yeah. want them to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And you want to care for them. And it's like that your internal parent is the one who is now taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Because you have, to, you have to like learn that even if you didn't have that as a parent, you have to learn how to care for yourself. And that is self-care. Yeah, It's not, I mean, it could be a bubble bath. It's right. a bubble bath for me sometimes. If I that's love, what you want. fucking love baths. Mm-hmm. But it is often like... My practice of meditation is self-care because I don't always want to do it. Most yes. of the time I don't. And when I do, I feel amazing. And mm-hmm. I'm really thankful for it. My inner parent is just like, okay, Christina, it's time. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be okay. And it's going to be great. And you'll be fine. <laughs> yes. You know, that's like the inner parent. For me, seeing it that way has been incredibly helpful. Instead of it being like, Mm-hmm. I guess. It's like actually just maybe eating a salad every once in a while. Yes. And drinking a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Drinking water is self-care. Yes. I don't feel like people drink enough water. And going to the doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. All those things. Yeah. Or just getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-care for me sometimes, too, is just, like, 
not making myself feel guilty mm-hmm. <laughs> about anything. Yeah. Because that is something that I do a lot when it comes to, like, anything. Like, it could be, like, I want a second glass of wine. And I would be like, but should I? What does that make? You know, like, then you go on this, like, weird stories about it. Yeah. (laughs) You get stories about it or you're like, what would this person think? Or you're just like, this is like, I don't know. It's just, like, weird. And it's just like, Rachel, have the fucking glass of wine, okay? And then, like, (laughs) shut up about it. Or it's like, I want some ice cream. Or, you know, it's just, like, something that you, or, like, a certain type of food that you might eat, or it doesn't even have to be centered around eating. I don't know why I'm making it about eating. I feel like that's when I do it most. Mm, But it's, like, it's just things like that, where it's, like, stop making yourself feel guilty. Like, be honest with yourself about, like, you know, maybe why, or maybe give yourself permission. I don't know, like, that could be part of, like, your self-care, too. But it's, like, instead of waiting for permission from God or waiting for permission from your pastor or, like, whatever, it's, like, Mm. give yourself permission because you are in charge. Mm. This is your fucking body. Mm. (laughs) Like, you are in charge of caring for yourself. So if, you know, you want to have that ice cream, give yourself permission and just have some fucking ice cream. What I hear you saying is you're stepping into a position of power in your own life. Yes. Your power to choose what is right for you. Mm -hmm. And and saying, like, I don't really need another voice here to tell me what I should or should not do. I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. So that's my self-care that I am working on. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I I had ice cream every night for a month last year. Um, because I wanted to. Yeah. And I, I had gone through like such a phase of caring, like caring about what I eat. And obviously there's nothing wrong with caring about what you eat. Um, and you should care a little bit about what you eat. To keep you alive. (laughs) Um, but for me, it was a practice of pleasure. I was, I was tired of, of restricting pleasure in my life. And for Mm -hmm. some fucking reason, ice cream was giving me pleasure, and I was like, I'm going to enjoy this every damn day until I don't need to anymore. I did. And then I was like, I'm done. Yeah. That's enough ice cream. That's enough ice cream. I am not lactose intolerant. No, no, my doctor was like, honey, you gotta stop eating this. It's actually you're lactose intolerant. (laughs) Which is so funny, because at that point, I was like, done anyway. Yeah. My whole body was like, okay, we've had it. Yeah, this is a lot of dairy. (laughs) Let's find pleasure otherwise. It was just funny because I think it was for me it was important to do that. Mm-hmm. I needed to I needed to trust my own body in that experience. Mm-hmm. And this is not something I would prescribe for anyone. Like no, I would never no. tell anyone to do because I don't tell anyone what to do. But for me and my own journey, it was it was very important to to trust myself with that process and really enjoy it and decide that I was going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, put me in the place of sovereignty. Yeah. I, as the queen of my life, will eat ice cream every night <laughs> I for a month. I decree. I decree. I will eat ice cream every night for a month, <laughs> and I will enjoy it. I will. <laughs> I did. And I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, find that ice cream in your life and do it. <laughs> yes. Whatever your ice cream is. <laughs> I just think there's there's such a a mindset of restriction um, 
within religion from a lot of things. And there is no there is no prescription for how to go about this for anyone. It is very individual, but for a lot of us there is some sort of boomerang effect of we've left and now I have this world of opportunity and things that I've been desperate to enjoy my entire life and haven't been able to or have been repressing and all of that just comes out in like a whoosh of like I need this mm-hmm. because you do yeah and it's it's just it's repression is so fucked up in so many ways because it it really stifles your natural instinct to trust your own desire to trust your own body and after so long of doing that like you like we were talking about it's hard to get back in touch with Mm -hmm. and sometimes these processes of eating ice cream for a month or whatever it is of these things that we do are our body's way of saying I really need something I really need to to be connected with you again in some Mm -hmm. way and there's so many different ways to do that and I think every person's journey is different for me it was a lot of different like things like like the ice cream where I was just like I'm just gonna fucking do what I want um, and what it's come back to after a while is is daily meditation practice and yoga practice and things that like smells and different things for me I'm a very sensual person so everything that I touch and keep in my room is very textured and like that type of thing keeps me grounded but that's after this process that's after going through this like ricochet of like I need all this shit yes yes <laughs> you know and Everyone's journey is different. Maybe you're very metered in your approach, um, but I think it. I think it is important to listen. Yes, and listen for the deeper thing. If mm-hmm. you need, a, if you think you need ice cream every month or every night, maybe you do, and and maybe you're and desperate maybe. for pleasure. Yeah, in a, in every area of your life. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. enjoy it and get curious. Yes. Yes. I think, like, continuing to learn things about yourself is, like, super important. Like, it's interesting the things that we, like, I shouldn't say we. Okay. So, here, <laughs> for everyone, for everyone ever, all this us. is how it works. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, like, I discovered that I really like um, just stretching in the evening, like, before bed and stuff. It makes me feel really relaxed and, like, connected to my body and... I like just moving it, and for some reason, I just, like, find that, like, I really enjoy it for whatever fucking reason, and I have always kind of stretched off and on, but, like, I realize when I make time for it, I do it before I go to bed, like, I feel really nice, Mm. so I don't know. There's just, like, something else random that, like, you can feel grounded in your body because you're literally moving your muscles and stretching Mm. them and feeling them also stretching is good for you. Please do it. And please do it. Please do stretch. Here's the plug for stretching. <laughs> yes. Stretch. <laughs> stretch. Just move your fucking body. Ah, uh, yes. And move your spine in different ways, too. I guess your spine moves, like, what, five different ways? What? Four. A, maybe four. I don't know. There's, like, four. four. Mind right now. <laughs> your spine moves. Um, <laughs> and, like, I know that's just good for you. It's good mm-hmm. to just... But I think also, like... Again, it's one of the things that makes me feel really in tune with myself and my body and my mind. And 
We were on the same wavelength. I actually created a meditation on my site specifically for stretching and meditating before bed. I should go check that out. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't done stretching as much before bed. I in the winter I've kind of found this routine of doing um, dry brushing and then oiling. So I'll just put oil all over my body, usually oh, coconut or cocoina and like dry brushing. Yeah, it's or I've seen it once. It's weird. Yeah, it, it is weird. It doesn't feel good at first. It's like a different kind of good. It's more like an enlivening. Like it kind of just like wakens up all your senses in the sense that it puts you back in your body, which right. is why it's good. And doing that before bed and then just the smell of the oil and like kind of feeling, oh, I'm here right now. Mm -hmm. Those little rituals just kind of put you in the moment of the transition from day to mm -hmm. sleeping. Even that. That is really good because it's hard to get out of your head and so I think anything that like puts you back like okay it's not just me like you know in my yeah, head yeah, all the time you're here on like the couch <laughs> I'm taking up a lot of room right now like uh -huh. I'm here on this couch my yes. skin is alive like everything's you know I'm like a giant flesh bag you know <laughs> but it's not just here's Rachel a giant flesh bag on my couch <laughs> on the couch <laughs> I have a bag of flesh. It's like, I don't know. And it's so weird because, again, it's so much focus on yourself. And, like, that's fucking weird when you come from, like, Christianity for 20-plus years. You know? It's like, oh, I'm going to focus on myself? Like, shouldn't I be focusing on the Lord? <laughs> shouldn't I be focusing on the Lord? Um, so, so interesting that you say that. I have been thinking about this in generational cycles of trauma. Mm -hmm. So as, as a parent, I am dealing with a lot of trauma around parenting and around making my daughter's stuff about me mm -hmm. and what those boundaries look like. And what I have learned through um, working with my coach is that the interesting thing is when this happens, when she has an erupted emotion or something that's like a wild response, my response has tended to be to think about my own feelings mm -hmm. and to make it about me. And the reason that I do that is because I think that I don't matter. And when she matters, I then jump in to fight for the fact that I matter. So what breaks this cycle, what breaks generations of trauma around this particular thing is actually me mattering. Me mattering is what breaks the cycle. So the focus on self and caring for myself and knowing deeply that I matter allows me to focus on her when she needs to be seen that she matters. Mm. It just really just blown my mind. Yeah, that, is, <laughs> that does blow your mind. It's almost like the opposite of what you think it would be. Yes. But that makes total sense. Because if you value yourself, you are going to value. Yeah, and also, if I value myself and know that I matter, I don't need to make everything about me because yeah. I know that I matter all the time. And you don't need to defend that fact. Right. You it just know it. is. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be focused on or defended all the time. Yeah. It just is. It creates space. Mm -hmm. It's such a fucking revelation for me this past <sighs> year. Yes. <laughs> to realize that actually focusing on my own development Mm -hmm. My own sovereignty in life, my own desires in life is the best possible thing that could ever 
which I've heard that part before, but I didn't understand how it worked. So I didn't right. trust it. Right. But now knowing this, I'm just like, oh yeah, like I can actually trust this process. I can trust her. And if I'm caring for myself, that will actually create room for me. Mm-hmm. It's actually made the a significant you know. difference. <laughs> yes. The more you know. <laughs> It's it's weird because like I know I'm sure you felt this. I shouldn't say I know you felt this. I know. I know you felt this <laughs> because your mom and I'm mom and we're the same. And we're the same. <laughs> I know you felt this. Where damn it, I'm sure you felt. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure I have to. <laughs> <laughs> when you like, no, I, I said damn it because I actually forgot my train of thought. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Help me. What was I talking about? We were talking about how you matter, and when you matter, your daughter matters, and you don't make it about yourself, and yeah, I agree. you're breaking the cycle, and that's how, yeah. No, I had a great insight. It's okay, gone. it's gone. It might come back this week. <laughs> it was really good, guys. It's a no, half it class. really good. <laughs> We've lost it. I've had half the class. Um... Yeah, honestly, what's crazy is that we, like, covered a bunch of, like, things that I wanted to talk about. Like, I'm just reading through what I had, but I didn't even look at my notes. It's amazing. That's amazing. We're in sync with the, with the drinking wine. Yeah, exactly. Also, I'm, I don't think I'm going to record with you over Zoom after doing this. This is just so much better. <laughs> Fuck Zoom. It's, we're vaccinated. We'll, we can we'll do see Zoom each other. when we have to. Yeah. <laughs> have to um yeah 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 that yep (laughs) thanks for joining y'all thanks for coming guys hello everyone christina carlson here if you've left your religion behind and feel uncertain what your direction or purpose is now or if you're feeling like you're having trouble accessing your personal power and getting in touch with your intuition i would love to chat with you I'm a life coach and I specifically work with people who have left religion to find their purpose and reconnect with themselves. Please click the link in the show notes to learn more or just head to christinamcarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. That's what I was saying too. What's my my nuggets of wisdom in here? Nuggets. Yeah, we really managed to talk about like everything I wanted to talk yeah. about too. It's <laughs> Notes were pointless. Just kidding. It just helps. I think that we've been thinking about it already and then yeah. just talking about it. I think writing down just reinforces it in your brain. Yeah. It was already there. It was there all along. It was there all along. I don't know how to say this guy's last name, but in the words of Friedrich Nietzsche, it's Nietzsche. Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I when I crack up, I always Me tear too. up. I hate myself. I cry every time I laugh or cry, like sad or happy. I'm crying. I hate cracking up, but like it also feels really good. But I'm also just sobbing, and yeah. people are so confused. My brother and I are the same way. We always laugh, cry, and everyone's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, yes. But I'm are you so laughing? Happy. It's the same. This quote just really got oh me. My God. Thank you, Friedrich. Do you, do you want to try that again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I thought this was a good quote, but it's Friedrich Nietzsche wrote, One must have chaos in oneself to give birth to a dancing star, which seems really cheesy, but basically the classic there's no beauty without pain there's no like there's no rebirth there's no evolution without some sort of struggle I mean mm. if you think about it anytime like think about people who live up in like the mountains like at 12,000 feet on the reg mm. their lungs adapt their lungs evolve but it's only because like a couple generations they struggled I know that's like kind of a very like earthy example but I'm just yeah. saying like there is no way to, you know, become self-aware, become more open-minded, or become, like, a more whole person without struggling immensely. And mm. it doesn't make it better. It still mm. hurts and it still sucks. But, like, it, it's what's needed. And, like, in the end, you'll be better for it. Mm. You must have chaos and hurt, unfortunately. Mm. Because we live in a fallen world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back around. Bringing it back around. <laughs> Jesus. To Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I could not help oh that. God, like, no, think I, about how many times literally it. we heard it. I get it. I get it. It's just like, it's word vomit. You're like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, it's See that window. <laughs> Gotta take it. That was bad. I'm sorry. Mm. Sorry, y'all. No, it's it's wonderful. Um, I just want to conclude by saying uh, change takes place from a conscious state. Mm. And most of us live most of our lives in an unconscious state because it's easier to do things on autopilot. Yes. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just how our minds function. When we know what's happening, it's it's just easier for our brains to just go to the next thing. You, you take the same drive home from work, you get used to it, you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. um, Waking up to the realization that everything you were taught isn't real is exhausting. Yes. It's like being jolted out of a dead sleep. And I just want to tell our readers and us that this is real work. You will be tired, probably, extra. And try to show some self-compassion and understanding for yourself because what you're saying about these generations of of change and people who struggle to make change mm -hmm. that is tiring that is tiring work and we need to treat ourselves like we are doing seriously hard work the lord's work <laughs> <laughs> again putting it in there i'm so sorry well, it's, the, it's the devil's work <laughs> just kidding. satan the it's, church is satan <laughs> it's it's just a real it's real work mm -hmm. emotional labor is is real it's, yes. it's a change lot. is also just fucking hard. Yes, and I think it's important to honor that in our experience and give ourselves extra time to rest. If we are wrestling with a particular subject or we have to have a hard conversation with a family member, 
give yourself extra time if possible, extra care if possible. The self-care of if you need to go to a doctor, see a therapist, work with a coach, whatever you need to do to to actually feel like yourself, give yourself everything you need because mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. Yes. Yes. And you can do it. Mm-hmm. And also it's okay to take a break from that work and do something fun. Yeah. And just let it let it go on as it will. Because mm-hmm. your body knows what it wants and you will continue to move in the direction that you feel is best mm-hmm. for you. And it will probably take a while, so don't rush yourself. Yeah, and also live now. <clears throat> yes, be, be present. Yes. Enjoy the it, journey. Yes. I, I'm going to be sharing this quote on my Instagram at some point soon, but it's it's possible. It is possible to enjoy your life on the way to a better one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I know, right? I said this to my sister damn. the other day. I was like, damn, damn, write that down. <laughs> write that bitch down. <laughs> that <laughs> is good. Because, because we keep. With the self-help culture, we tend to think, like, there's this idealized self. When we're deconstructing, we think, eventually, I'll get to this enlightened place, etc. But I know you're moving somewhere. I know you want to get somewhere. And you will. Mm-hmm. And also, life is fucking happening right now. You only exist right now. Yes. So do what you can to really enjoy where you're at in whatever way that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. In whatever way you feel safe to express your joy, find that and allow that for yourself. Yes. Which is also hard because we were taught as Christians to constantly look forward to mm-hmm. the end goal. Yeah. And, you, and you don't live there anymore. No, you don't. You don't. It's a, it's a hard mindset to change though. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. You can do it. You do it by practicing. Yes. Yes. By practicing and being thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed today's podcast please share with anyone who you think might find this content relatable you can find us on instagram at cheers to leaving you can find me at christina carlson life coach and you can find rachel at baby feely B-A-B-Y-F-E-E-L-E-Y.